the work of an uh, of a solutions architect, a uh, pre-sales engineer here, is always twofold. One is to always uh, keep your customer updated on what's going on, be their customer advisor, and, and second, to update your knowledge yourself, to always yourself be updated on what's happening in an organization as big as a size of Amazon. So uh, you know, taking ownership always being in the mode of a startup, even though you work for one of the biggest companies. Hey there, and welcome to The Stickbot. This is the podcast where we talk about all things related to observability, because that's what we do and that's what we're passionate about, but also what it's like to work in the ever-changing, dynamic tech industry. So if you are interested in that, you are definitely in the right place. So today we're talking to Akshat Srivastava. Akshat is a solutions architect manager at AWS, as well as the founder of SENI, which stands for Sales Engineers New York. He's worked in the pre-sales industry for about eight years and now manages a team of solution architects tied to enterprise sales. And as the founder of Sales Engineers New York, he provides a networking group for current or aspiring pre-sales engineers to help them evolve in their career. So as you can imagine, Akshat is the perfect person to talk to about the challenging and very diverse role of being a pre-sales engineer or solution architect. In this episode, Anthony and Akshat talk about what it's like being an SE. What do both Akshat and Anthony, who is an SE here at Stackstate, like about the role? How did Akshat end up in his current and first leadership role? And what are some of the challenges you can expect as an SE and how do you overcome them? Also, as an FYI, in this episode, Anthony and Akshat used the job titles Pre-Sales Engineer, Sales Engineer, Solution Architect, and their abbreviations SE and SA, alternately to indicate basically the same role. It's the engineer who's responsible for everything technical during a software sales cycle, from demo to POC to being a technical subject matter expert on the space, etc. So without further ado, Let's get into it. Hi, welcome back to the Stack Pod. My name's Anthony Evans, um, uh, your host as always. Uh, uh, today, I'm here interviewing uh, a friend of mine, uh, as well as a professional acquaintance, uh, a guy named Akshat. Uh, Akshat, do you want to give everybody an introduction as to who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Thank you, Anthony. My name is Akshat Srivastava. I am a SA manager here out of New York City. I work for AWS and uh, I manage a team of SAs tied to the enterprise accounts. Uh, prior to that, I have worked in, uh, in the pre-sales industry for uh, about seven, eight years. And I've also been in post-sales. I've been a Java developer when I started my career. So I have been in the technical industry and I've ended up in, in the pre-sales leadership role, which I absolutely love. Uh, I also founded Sales Engineers of New York, uh, short form SENY, uh, which is a premier networking community out of uh, New York. And it's uh, the largest uh, East Coast networking uh, group for aspiring or current pre-sales uh, engineers uh, back in 2018. So we host events, we have a Slack um, uh, space uh, for uh, aspiring or current SEs to uh, collaborate and develop and grow uh, in their career. and. Uh, that is what I do. And I live in New York City. I'm based in Manhattan. Yeah, we um, uh, we actually were coordinating on that Slack channel uh, uh, to get you on here just prior to the interview. So, uh, so yeah, thanks for setting that up. That community is actually a, a really great, uh, inclusive 
community as well. Um, uh, I've been to several uh, meetings and, you know, the, the, the audience is not just like just pre-sales people. It's people that want to get into pre-sales, people that want to know a little bit more about pre-sales and, you know, what it actually means. Um, you know, one of the big challenges I've often found in my career, actually, as, as a pre-sales person, um, especially working at startups, is that they don't always know what exactly a pre-sales person should or shouldn't do. And so you effectively just become the technical cog, uh, if you will, that does everything from demonstrating the product to doing all the security questions to doing all the architecture questions to doing the POC to presenting the POC to then having to do customer success and implement the 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 thing for for your customer and and it seems as though most organizations have one flavor if not all of those flavors and the way that they treat their pre-sales people um in terms of what they view them as uh, what would you say is the main goal of pre-sales in general when it comes to technology? The main goal is to support your account rep to reach their goals, whatever it takes. And really, it depends uh, on, your, on your company that you work for. Uh, at AWS, I think the main role is to be that uh, customer advisor to do right by your customer. As you know, that Amazon is a unique company in the sense that uh, it's driven by customer obsession. That is our vision. That's our goal. So uh, the essays at AWS, uh, you know, um, have to do right by their customers, um, even if it means to kind of, uh, you know, uh, go uh, against your uh, your account reps in some certain uh, scenarios. So uh, again, I, I say that uh, ultimately, uh, pre-sales engineers work closely with their account reps and. Uh, their job is to um, bring in revenue in their organization. And at AWS, it's unique that we always do right by the customers because we are obsessive about our customers. So again, the trusted advisor role uh, is probably, uh, being the trusted advisor is probably the right word for an uh, SE. Well, AWS is very unique as well in how they uh, structure their deals. You don't have that high five moment when somebody comes in with the multi-million dollar uh, deal, uh, at least not all the time, right? Your high five moment is more actually post sales in a way than it is uh, outside. So it makes the SE role kind of unique, right? Yeah, I mean... Um... Again, before I, before I start uh, saying anything, I, I do have to give a disclaimer that whatever I'm saying today is really my opinion. And from my perspective, not it doesn't, uh, it doesn't come from Amazon or AWS. So that's of course, a disclaimer. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, I mean, um, with, with a bigger company, right, when your revenues are, are higher and at a certain level, it all depends on um, what is your business. Uh, first of all, uh, what product are you selling? Does that product uh, that that's to be sold? Does that require handholding? Um, you know, but ultimately, uh, the purpose is to make your customers successful and make it valuable for for what they paid for. So when you're, for example, selling Stack State, right? It's a finished product. It's sort of a managed service. They are just hooking their environment up into Stack State and getting the value out. So uh, once you're hooked up and you're ready to roll, I think that. Uh, the the pro the professional services or consulting uh, folks they can go away and then the the company 
who has bought them starts using the product. On the cloud, it's a constant um, uh, you know, effort that's required because number one, there will always be some workloads that would be migrated to the cloud, right? So they would need constant handholding. You have, have to be that customer advisor as well as there might be a lot of uh, groundwork that's being done by a lot of third-party consultants, also by our professional services. But once that's, that migration is done, then you also talk about modernization. And that is converting your legacy frameworks or legacy applications into uh, you know, microservices or containers. Once you're done with that, then sometimes you might wanna stop using the services that you've built, rather switch them off for a managed service that's run by within, within Amazon. So uh, because we have such big uh, number of SKUs, uh, we have over 200 services we offer, plus um, you know, there's constantly something new coming up. The work of, an, uh, of a solutions architect, a pre-sales engineer here is always twofold. One is to always uh, keep your customer updated on what's going on, be their customer advisor. And, and second, to update your knowledge yourself, to always yourself be updated on what's happening in an organization as big as the size of Amazon. So, uh, you know, taking ownership, always being in the mode of a startup, even though you work for one of the biggest companies, and third, being okay with chaos and prioritization. Those are some things that I would uh, recommend to people uh, looking for a job like I have. We, what, what's, um, usually I find there's like recurring themes when it comes to selling software, right? Uh, and, you know, maybe somebody buys the software for a certain use case, but in your scenario right now with all those services, what are the what are the key services you're seeing getting consumed more? Um, you know, are people moving to Kubernetes? Are people using EKS? Are they, you know, what 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 are some of the specifics within AWS that you're seeing people consume a lot more that maybe somebody who's listening who just wants to get ahead of everything and kind of understand what's within AWS is a hot button topic right now? What would you say? Look. Um... I would say that that uh, uh, modernization of your apps, having uh, uh, you know, actually there is a, there is a uh, website aws.amazon.com forward slash modern dash apps. Um, if you go there, you're gonna see the the stack we have there, right? EKS, ECS. Um, you know, we're we're talking about um, things like serverless, so Lambda. Um, we also have, uh, you know, uh, serverless uh, compute for containers now, which is AWS Fargate. Um, and then when we talk about, you know, integration, things like GraphQL APIs, Service Mesh, um, uh, and then for for uh, object storage, you know, S3, DynamoDB, uh, Aurora, uh, DocumentDB as well. Those are those are the top things that that I'm seeing for companies. Uh, that want to operate at the next level and that want to build applications uh, that are modern and they are built for tomorrow. So uh, in general, when I want to look at which service should I look at uh, in the future, I want to understand a couple of things. Number one, you know, where are the users coming from? And is my application uh, uh, low latency and scalable? Can it handle a large amount of traffic? Number two, um, is it secure and is it easily accessible? And um, lastly, um, how can it uh, you know, scale if, if I have to uh, build it uh, further? So is, 
is it loosely coupled? Is, does it have a microservices architecture that I can add components to it? I can scale it further. I can, uh, uh, you know, make it what I want. So those are some some uh, themes that I would consider. And based on those themes, you know, when we talk about storage, it's all about purpose-built databases that we at Amazon uh, uh, follow. So. Um, are you utilizing the database for the right use case you have? For example, when do you use DynamoDB versus S3? Um, same thing with, uh, you know, using uh, Lambda versus uh, Kubernetes, um, you know. Uh, so those are some things I'm, that I'm seeing, um, you know, uh, in terms of next, uh, next generation application. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, we um, we, we at Stack State, we, we spend a lot of time now um, talking to people with Kubernetes, OpenShift, um, as well as not just AWS, but then also Azure. And, you know, it's perfectly normal these days for people to have more than one cloud provider, right? AWS is by far the number one uh, in the US and in the world, I believe. Um, but then Google and, and Microsoft are, are usually close behind. Um, but they don't seem to be, at least in my humble opinion, uh, as advanced from a services standpoint as AWS is, right? It, 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 it's a purpose-built catalog of services as opposed to solutions, which might complicate things, right? When you have to build your own apps, you know, just because you have the services still requires a certain skill set in order to get it all together. Um, we actually just got uh, recently uh, approved. We're going to be in the ISV Accelerate program. Um, so we may be working a lot closer together in the foreseeable future as we uh, build out our own partnership with uh, AWS. Um, and we just listed in the marketplace as well. So I've been helping lead up that initiative, going through all the security reviews. And uh, I can tell you, it's, it's very, um, it's very detail oriented. Um, but once you get all the right boxes ticked, um, you can, you can get through the, the, the bureaucracy, if you will, and, and, and get into the program. So we're, we're pretty excited, um, at that. Um, okay. So, um, we uh, we kind of spoke a little bit about AWS, uh, what it means to be uh, a solutions architect, and a little bit around uh, what you do. Um, how how did you become? Um, how did you get into management uh, of of the essays at AWS? How did you end up there? So. At Amazon or at any big company, you need to really uh, be vocal about what you want, and then you need to go and pursue that, just like in a, any other company, but more so in a big, big company because you have a lot of way, uh, you know, career paths and options. At a small company, there are not many opportunities. I would say it's limited because there's limited roles and positions, but at a company Amazon size, there is a lot of uh, internal opportunity. So you really need to, uh, to be vocal to your manager as to where do you where do you see yourself uh, progressing? Now, uh, I uh, I would say this is my first uh, leadership uh, role officially, although uh, in the capacity of uh, uh, you know SENY's uh, founder, I do kind of lead my team and and delegate a lot of work and and uh, grow the organization. But um, officially, I haven't really uh, uh, been a manager. So this was my first role. And I was just 
vocal vocal with my manager about it. I got tremendous amount of support within the organization, and because uh, it's a big company, uh, you know, Amazon, there's a lot of tr internal training um, available. Uh, they were they put me on a path to succeed. You know, I got some uh, a training for future management program. Um, I got interns to manage before uh, I could go and interview for the role. And then I did have a rigorous interview as well, uh, where I was challenged as to what do I bring to the table? How will I solve complex problems? How do I see uh, you know, uh, myself coaching others, for instance? And uh, uh, you know, how would I handle a tough situation? Things like that. So it wasn't that you, know, uh, you get what you want just by asking for it. You really have to uh, be prepared to answer the tough questions. Uh, you need to put in the work you need to go through the trainings available. You need to demonstrate that you are Amazonian um, in your sense, in every sense of that word. And for those who don't know what that word means, uh, well, when you're in the company, you will understand what it is to be, uh, what's it, what it's like to be an Amazonian. You gotta live the leadership principles, really. You know, we have uh, uh, 16, I believe, leadership principles. Uh, so you have to demonstrate all of that. And uh, after that process, uh, luckily I was offered the job and that capacity, I, 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 you know, it has been a, a challenging, but very fulfilling uh, more than two months now. So I'm very, very lucky uh, to, to, you know, be here and do that. I would say first though, before you go and ask for a job like management, you really need to demonstrate that you are performing at the top of your capability in the current role that you have. If you are not performing good in the role that you have, you can go and ask for things that, you know, I mean, you can, but uh, in my opinion, um, you know, uh, first you gotta be a, a good at what, you're, what, you, what you have been assigned to, and then you can ask for growth um, opportunity and whatever, uh, uh, you know, a field that you want to pursue that. So, so that, 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 that is a little bit of a chicken and the egg type issue though as well right because um you know as a pre-sales person right before you you know let's say you're in pre-sales and you're 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 at the top of your game you're you're helping your sales reps meet their numbers if not beating them getting into accelerators and all sorts of fun stuff like that that you do at most software companies right i, I know aws can be a little bit different because of the consumption model um but if you're really good at your job have you ever found that that inhibits you from getting a promotion because the minute you become a manager your responsibility goes from managing the individual quotas to managing their boss's quota effectively um and i find that sales tend to be very demanding in general right and like once they get used to you and they know that you can present and you're good and people trust you, then they want you, right? Because they're, not everybody should be in pre-sales, right? Uh, but, but then, you know, you may not always want to be the individual contributor. Have you ever encountered a situation whereby you're almost too valuable in your individual contributor role to really uh, have the business afford to promote you into a different role? Well, my question to the business would be, are, is it worth keeping you unhappy and unsatisfied or is it worth keeping you in the company as an employee? Because that's what it will come down to. 
if they are uh, deeming you valuable or too valuable, but they're ignoring what you want, um, which by the way, the top performers want to be valued, but they also want progress and uh, new challenges. So um, if you're not listening to that, you will lose that employee. So is it worth that loss or is it uh, better to keep them within the organization, give them other challenges and ask them for help to hire their replacement? Yeah, that, that, well, that's good advice, right? Because if you think about it existentially like that, um, then, then and in terms of what's good for the business, you can then help drive your own agenda in a way, right? Because that's ultimately what you want. You don't want to leave because you're sick and tired of feeling valued. You just want to move on and grow, right? Uh, exactly. there's, you know, you only stay in the first grade for as long as you need to stay in the first grade, right? You move on next year. You know, it's uh, it, 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 it's not like a constant repetition. Um, yeah, that's good advice. That's good advice because I know a lot of a lot of people that do perform very well basically get stuck, right? And they they feel the value and they they feel valued and maybe they get incentives, maybe some bonuses and whatever. But but I I found that money doesn't really. I mean, obviously everybody would love a paycheck and everybody wants to get paid, but you know that's not the be all and end all at the end of the day. If if you're getting, you know, that's why people volunteer and things like that because of the the how it makes them feel more than you know the gratification of income right we all are different anthony if you ask me right so if you talk to five people and what they are driven and motivated by and honestly this is a learning process for me as i'm finding out from my own team what each one of them uh wakes up every morning and gets motivated by and you'll get five different answers when you talk to five different people some people uh, like money. Some people are driven by uh, knowledge. They always want to be learning. Um, some people like teaching others. Some people uh, like a new challenge. So your job as a leader is to match what people want to, the, to how they can be utilized best for the company. How can they be at their best to do the best work of their lives for you as an employer? And that is going to be your job as a leader to match those things uh, and always keep them performing at the best. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's what, what do you do these days for uh, team building? Um, or, you know, have you had a chance to really get into that yet? I have been lucky that most of my employees uh, I have, I've met in person. Uh, most of my teams, I mean, um, and uh, yeah, we uh, we have happy hours. Uh, we've had a dinner, you know, um, not any activity that we would like. But um, I remember last year uh, when I was uh, working on a different team, uh, we we all went to um, what is it, the uh, Top Golf thing? Uh, oh, yeah, we, that was good. But yeah, it's been it's been good. Um, uh, what I try to do is my job is to keep the team meetings um, as interesting and as less of a waste of their time as possible. And uh, from my own experience in an individual contributor capacity, when I'm walking away from the team meeting, you know, once a week, I, I wanna be able to take back something that I can uh, deem as helpful, whether it's in my career or whether it's in my ability to help my customers. That is what I uh, try to do in my team meetings. So for example, I've started a series called 
know a veteran. Um, and in this series, I try to find very senior solution architects who have been very successful in their role at Amazon and have been at Amazon for three, four years at least. And I just interview them and I ask them personal questions, you know, what do they like and, and give us advice on how have they lasted uh, long at Amazon and uh, also then what's their expertise within Amazon because there's so many products. Um, uh, uh, one of the keys to success at Amazon would be how can you find answers to complex questions or, or experts very quickly because that's going to uh, you know, save you a lot of time when you're trying to get answers to your customers because a lot of the problems when, which we see in the field have been already uh, faced by other people or, or have already been solved. So it's a matter of how can we find someone who's done that and let me try to connect that person. So in a big organization like ours, you know, NOAA Veteran Series has really helped my team because now they have, uh, now this person knows who my team members are. I play something called like a lightning round where I ask them quick fire uh, fun questions like what's your favorite app on your phone? So kind of ease that atmosphere. And then also ask their advice on where do we go find uh, information about the product that they, uh, they specialize in. And it has been successful in the sense that my team walks away and uh, you know with, with knowledge about how to be the best essay. And also, uh, well, in the future, if I have a question on let's say systems manager, now I can ping this person on Slack. So you have to come up as a leader with, uh, with uh, uh, you know, ideas that really, uh, that, that really are valuable to your team. And uh, I would say that uh, no one uh, will trust you or will be loyal to you on your day one. You really need to build trust and build the loyalty by you know, um, actually being a valuable leader. Don't expect that from your team. Go and build it. Yeah, you need to show up, right? That that's at the very least. Uh, uh, I spoke with um, uh, somebody else in a previous interview um, around uh, some of the mistakes of leadership. Right? Is that, uh, and I, I find this happens more so in supermarkets, but also in tech. Uh, people who have just been there the longest get promoted to be the leaders, and uh, that's not really the best way of going about the hiring process. Uh, it's very, uh, very old fashioned in my mind, because just because somebody has been there for a long time doesn't mean they have any ability to lead uh, or, or manage people and do the type of thing that you just mentioned, right? Where you're thinking existentially around, okay, how do I not just, you know, be there as like the person who signs their checks and tells them you're welcome, uh, but how can I actually engage with them, help people grow, help people feel valued? Because I think, um, especially in the States, right, where you don't have like a huge uh, social safety net, right? Like in Europe and whatever, you know, you've got healthcare, you've got every, you've got also like, they can't just fire you in the UK or in Europe, right? Uh, in the US, it sounds bad, but you can literally get fired for you know, no reason whatsoever. And, you know, if they really wanted to. Um, so in order to build out that trust and that confidence uh, should help not just with, you know, people feeling secure in their job, but then also being challenged in a way that's healthy, right? They shouldn't be concerned or worried that you're going to say something behind their back, you know, which, which, you know, or, or the politics game, right? Which, which happens all too often actually in big companies, right? Yeah. Yeah.
Okay, cool, cool. Is, is there anything else, actually, that you want to bring up or talk about? Uh, I know we spoke a lot about, you know, all the different things associated to pre-sales. We went into a lot of detail around what you do, your role, how AWS is, and you've given us some interesting information around uh, what it means to be Amazonian um, in a way. Any Anything else you want to talk about? I guess it's time for me to uh, give a shameless plug to Seni. <laughs> uh, would, would love to talk about that a little bit. You know, um, I think when I look back, right, at how can I be more useful to the society um, in general, my community, and when I say my community, it's really people around me, right? Uh, anyone, uh, whether it's in New York, whether it's uh, it's in the field that I'm working on, and. I look at my skills like I'm, I'm not a doctor, I'm not even a, uh, a nurse, I'm not really a teacher. So what, how can I really, you know, uh, or, or really like, uh, how, how can I give back to the community? And, and uh, you know, that's what really triggered the idea to create something called Sales Engineers of New York. So salesengineersny.com, you can go there and find out more about us. You can join it. Uh, there's a sign up section. And uh, when I look at it is it's a community where folks who are maybe developers who are not liking their jobs or people who are maybe in product management or in any tech field who are kind of bored every day to sitting and watching or looking at their computer screens and kind of confused and uh, their personalities dictate that they are people person, that they are uh, you know uh, good at communicating complex concepts in an easy fashion those kind of individuals, how do they start and go about changing their careers? And, uh, you know, that's that's what triggered Seni. And uh, uh, you can join our Slack. There's a mentors channel uh, where we will help you. By we, I mean me and my co-founders and some other individuals associated closely with us who will help uh, you one-on-one -on -one to, uh, you know, work on your resume uh, and try to tell you how to be a sales engineer or pre-sales engineer. And uh, really, uh, you know, if that changes your life, if it, if it means that you'll be happier in a day-to-day -day job, that you will be bringing in more money, whatever it is, um, in a small way, uh, if we can change your lives, please, um, please use us. And uh, one thing I'm really proud of is that Seni has always been free to attend, free to use our services, free to watch videos. And I don't plan to change that anytime soon or anytime really um i think that resources like this are a community service for people who don't have any other communities to look at um and uh you know this is our way uh and by our i mean everyone associated with seni it's our way to give back to folks in our own unique manner yeah i i gotta tell you that that so so i was kind of like you right i i was more on the developer side um you know i i'd worked for i'd worked in support i'd worked in third level support i'd then gone into you know managing performance issues for ServiceNow software as a service type thing um i then became like a technical account manager and um i accidentally got into pre-sales because uh, I helped one of my accounts at the time uh, purchase like a really big uh, amount of IT operations management stuff uh, to build out their CMDB and whatnot. Uh, and then that kind of people looked at me differently then and they're like, oh, this guy can pitch technology as opposed to just explain technology. And so 
um when i went from working like 72 hour weekends monitoring upgrades to uh to then just going to boardrooms presenting for like an hour and a half then having a sales guy just buy me a steak dinner afterwards and i was able to to drink i was like why have i not been in pre-sales before it's not all like that i i think actually it's one of the more stressful jobs because you kind of get put on a pedestal for like 45 90 minutes whether it's virtual it's even harder now that it is virtual frankly um or in person you have to look good you have to have the technology ready. You usually have to memorize a script. You have a presentation that you need to do. You also need to be the expert on all your competitors because you can't, you, you don't know where the questions are going to come from. And the minute you kind of turn around and you say, I don't know, even though that's perfectly acceptable, that then puts doubt on whether you are good or not. And you've also got the constant eyes of the salesperson because all they want to do is close their deal and they view you as a key component to them closing their deal and if you don't nail the meeting that leads to usually consequences right and the worst thing that can happen to you is if you're not used as the go-to person for a meeting right because that just kind of rips your heart a little bit because then you're like oh god like <laughs> what happened <laughs> um so it is a stressful job, but if you can do it right and you 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 have fun getting in front of people and you have fun actually being uh, challenged and asked about things, but then also building out small demos and POCs and talking about the art of the possible, um, it is the best job uh, in tech as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you get paid uh, uh, quite a bit of money usually to do the role as well. Um, you're usually viewed as something critical, uh, not just to sales, but then also to the the view of the company. And so if anybody wants uh, to get involved, it's not just New York where we have the sales engineering um, uh, community, but you can reach out to us through SEMY um, and we can connect you with literally hundreds of different chapters all across the country uh, that are been spun up i saw one the other day people in toronto were meeting a few people in boston were meeting so it's all over the place and and most people uh, are very well connected because it's a small community of people like uh and it, it's great so uh, i will also plug seny to anybody who's interested in uh, getting to know us coming out uh, having a couple of drinks at a happy hour listening to a few presentations but then getting to know other people in in pre-sales specifically absolutely cool. well so we've actually run out of time um i would like to uh thank Akshat for joining me today for uh being very generous with his time uh he's a very busy man and uh uh, uh but i do appreciate you taking the time uh, to come on here and, and sit down with us and go through just your life and what you do. My pleasure, Anthony. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you to all the listeners of Stack State. Uh, really excited of uh, what Stack State has to offer in the future. And if I can be of any help in, in the future, let me know. Thanks, Anthony. No worries. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like more information about Stackstate, you can visit stackstate.com. That's S-T-A-C-K-S-T-A-T-E.com. And you can also find a written transcript of this episode on our website. So if you prefer to read through what they've said, definitely head over there. And also make sure to subscribe if you'd like to receive a notification whenever we launch a new episode. So until next time. Thank you.